One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I am Courtney Eck. And I'm Sadie Eck. And it's Sadie's night, and it's 2-22-22, so that means it's going to be such a good presentation, because this night is full of magic. The portal is open. It's about to close. It won't open again for 900 years or something. I know. We better so, hurry up. Quick. I know. Let's get it out. Do not fuck this up. <laughs> <laughs> Too late, dude. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> do it do it for the portal what do you got for us tonight i'm going to tell you the story of the teacup killer graham young great during the summer of 1961 a strange illness was slowly spreading through a northern suburb in london england at first it was contained to only one family but then it began to spread to others who knew them those who became sick suffered from vomiting diarrhea and excruciating stomach pain Doctors were unable to determine the cause of the illness and could do little to help relieve the symptoms. It all started with 37-year-old Molly Young, whose doctors diagnosed with suffering from a bilious attack, which is a variety of symptoms caused by producing too much bile. Oh, no. Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Uh-uh. It's a thing that can happen. I don't want that to happen. Nobody wants that to happen. But when Molly's husband, 44-year-old Fred Young, also started to suffer the same symptoms, doctors were worried whatever was causing them to be sick was contagious. When Fred's daughter, 22-year-old Winifred, and their son, 14-year-old Graham, also got sick, it all but confirmed this to be true. Fred and Winifred? No. <laughs> you know, dear, dear Portal. May I please be reborn as Fred so I can have a daughter named Winifred? <laughs> Seriously. I didn't think of that until you just said it. It's very cute. It's really cute. <laughs> when a few of Graham's... Oh, and you know what? There's an mm. aunt that's going to be introduced. And she is also a Winifred. And so <gasps> he came from a family of Fred and his sister Winifred. I love this. I it's love so this cute. trend. Anyone listening <laughs> whose name is Fred... Take it. Take it from here. Run. Seriously, I wonder how many Freds there are in the world. So today. cute. Not nearly enough. When a few of Graham's friends from school came down with the same symptoms, doctors really got concerned. It was odd. 
The symptoms would come and go, sometimes disappearing for weeks at a time before coming back full force. No treatment seemed to help. Things would continue this way for those in and around the Young family until November 1961, when one morning, young Graham brought his sister a cup of tea. Uh-oh. Winifred said, after taking one drink, it was so sour she spit it out and threw the rest away. An hour later, while on the train to work, she began to hallucinate mm. and had to be helped out of the station. And Graham's 14, right? Yes. What year she is was eventually uh, 1961. Got it. Okay. She was eventually taken to the hospital where doctors came to the conclusion that she had somehow been exposed to the poison Atropa belladonna, hmm. a plant also known as deadly nightshade. Mm-hmm. Suspicious of her brother, who had always been a little odd and was fascinated with chemistry, Winifred told her father what happened. Fred confronted Graham, but Graham blamed his sister. He claimed she had been using the family's teacups to mix shampoo, and that must have caused her illness. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I mix my shampoo and teacups. I just don't even think about it. I just grab them right <laughs> out of the cabinet and start mixing. Next thing you know. Yeah. Dead. Too much bile. <laughs> Belladonna poisoning. <laughs> nightshade shampoo. It's good for curly hair. Take it from us. Yeah, I mean, look at this. <laughs> it's pure nightshade. Side of white oleander. God. So Fred was not convinced and searched Graham's room, but found nothing incriminating. He still warned his son to be more careful in the future when, quote, messing about with those bloody chemicals. Graham Young was born on September 7th, 1947 in London. His life began tragically when his biological mother died from tuberculosis when Graham was just 14 weeks old. Oh, no. Yeah. His father was devastated by his wife's death and sent his children away to live with family. Graham was sent to live with his aunt and uncle, Aunt Winifred. Mm -hmm. His sister was sent to live with her grandparents. Graham spent the first two years of his life with his aunt and uncle and became very close to them. When his father remarried in 1950, he decided to reunite his family and took back custody of his children. It's said that Graham showed visible signs of distress after separating from his aunt, who had become a mother to him. Mm-hmm. He never really connected to his new family and became a, quote, rather peculiar child, solitary in his habits. Buddy. Yeah, I mean, that's a rough it's time to take a rough. kid. Like, two. Yeah, that is yeah. like some nasty developmental abandonment. Like, don't do it. No, no, no. Nope. Especially if he's not like stoked. You know, <laughs> like, okay, maybe yeah, he stays yeah, with yeah, his aunt yeah. and visits his dad more often and yeah. we can slowly integrate. But that's not, I'm assuming, how they did it in the 50s. It's probably not how they did it. <laughs> no, they just yanked him right on out of there. Totally. Yeah. Yep. He also had difficulty making friends with children his age. Mm-hmm. As soon as he was old enough to read, you're going to love this. He would pick nonfiction books up about murder. <laughs> Same, Graham. God, I swear. If anybody had looked into my reading habits, my movie habits, mm-hmm. anything yes. when I was Graham's age, it was not good. It was yeah. very dark and i was thinking about how young he was like this is the first like he started to read and he picked up murder books and i was mm-hmm. like no courtney probably did would have yes done that too. yes like, the we second were... i could get my hand on stephen king i was 
I sat, I sat in the hallway one day and didn't eat food because mm-hmm. I read all of Salem's Lot in one sitting when I was like <laughs> totally. eight. Yeah. Totally making me watch like terrible, scary movies at five yes, because loved, you're so into it. Loved it. Mm-hmm. He was also drawn to stories about Dr. Holly Harvey Crippen. Talk about amazing names. Amazing. Holly Harvey Crippen who was an American homeopathic doctor in the 1880s, who was convicted and hanged for the murder of his wife, Cora. Another amazing name. Mm-hmm. Dr. Crippen had used a, quote, calming drug on Cora before killing her, a drug he had bought at his local pharmacy. Uh-oh. He also became fascinated with William Palmer, who was also known as the Prince of Poisoners. Not going, not a good trend. Mm-mm. Palmer, who Charles Dickens called, quote, the greatest villain that ever stood in the old Bailey, was a doctor found guilty of murdering his best friend with strychnine and was suspected of poisoning several others to death, including his brother, mother-in-law, and four of his children, who all died of, quote, convulsions before Ugh. turning one. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm going to go down like an old-timey poison trend uh like story but i kind of want to i was gonna <laughs> say why are you like covering that guy that guy sucks i didn't learn about him until i was researching uh-huh. the story <laughs> <laughs> so graham was an average student while in school and was only interested in studying chemistry forensic science and toxicology <laughs> like no big surprise right yep His access to these subjects were limited, so his dad bought him a chemistry set to play with at home. Uh Fred, he just wants to be supportive. As a teen, Graham developed an, quote, unhealthy fascination with Adolf Hitler. He began wearing swastikas and telling anyone who would listen that Hitler and the things he stood for were just misunderstood. Graham, don't Graham. Mm, Graham can't help himself. Yeah, Stephen King is one thing. Adolf Mm -hmm. Hitler is a very different thing. Yep, he believed that Hitler was a pretty great guy. (sighs) He also started studying the occult and became familiar with Wiccans and local covens. Mm -hmm. Again, totally cool. Yeah, that was, yeah. I went to Boston and got a book on white magic and hit it. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if mom still listens. Hey, mom. Um, I'm not a witch. I'm kind of a witch. Totally witchy. Yeah. He even started trying to recruit local kids in his neighborhood to join him in, quote, bizarre occult ceremonies. Yeah. It, it was reported that one of these ceremonies even involved sacrificing a cat. No, Graham. Yeah. God, you keep, like, cabbing me and then losing me. I know. After a few other cats disappeared from the neighborhood around the same time, many believed Graham performed a number of these ceremonies. Ugh. By the age of 13, Graham's knowledge of toxicology allowed him to convince local chemists that he was really 17. He was then able to purchase a dangerous quantity of the poisons antimony, digitalis, and arsenic for, quote, study purposes. No. As well as quantities of the heavy metal thallium. After procuring these items, people around Graham started to get very sick. Yep. So Graham's first victim was thought to be one of his classmates, Christopher Williams, who suffered a prolonged period of vomiting, painful cramps, and headaches. Once Graham realized he wouldn't be able to watch his classmates' symptoms progress, members of his family started to get sick. Oh, no. Mm Mm-hmm. 
At first, Fred thought maybe Graham was inadvertently poisoning them by being careless with his chemistry set. When he asked Graham if this could be possible, Graham said no. Because Graham was also sick on a few occasions, it never occurred to Fred that his young son could be poisoning his family on purpose. Mm-hmm. It's not clear if Graham was poisoning himself to see what would happen or was, if he was just being careless right. or maybe like trying to throw him off the track. We don't really mm-hmm. know. Totally. So when Winifred was confirmed to have been poisoned, Fred once again asked Graham if he'd done something by accident, and Graham said no. Fred didn't push him any further. After Winifred's hospital stay, it seemed as if Graham's attention turned to his stepmother, Molly. As the months passed, Molly became more frequently ill until Fred came home from work on April 21st, 1961, to find his wife writhing in agony in the back garden while Graham stood over her watching, quote, in fascination. Go, 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 get out of there, go, get away. (laughs) I know, it's like such a scene from the bad seed. So much, big time. Molly was rushed to the hospital where she died later that night. Mm. Doctors, Uh yeah, she died. Doctors ruled her cause of death as a prolapsed cervical disc, also known as a herniated disc. I don't know a single thing about that, except that it's every million times I've heard of it. It's not been deadly. Right. I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah. I mean, could it just slice through your spinal cord? I don't 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 know. know. Anyway. So at Graham's suggestion, Fred decided to have her cremated. Fred. Mm-hmm. Fred, come on, mm-hmm. bud. I know you're probably trying to make up for lost time or whatever, mm-hmm. but you gotta set some boundaries with this kid. Yes, you do. Big time. At Molly's funeral, a few relatives became violently ill after eating <gasps> and drinking at the wake, but they all survived. You gotta be kidding me. I am not kidding. Oh you. my god. Which is weird because my friend texted me yesterday morning that they were at a <laughs> funeral on Sunday and everybody got food poisoning yes. except for them. When you told me about that, I was like, oh my God, I'm writing that story. That's <laughs> so weird. <laughs> uh, you better check on her. <laughs> yeah. I was like, sure okay. what did they eat? She's like, probably the chicken. Poison. You know, <laughs> uh, maybe the nightshade that that kid was passing around. <laughs> Seriously. God. So after Molly's death, Fred became sick more often and his illnesses became more severe. I don't know how it's like, I mean, come on, buddy, come on. It's all these cases we cover where deadly kids, you know, Mm -hmm. I just, I can't, I cannot imagine being a parent and wrapping your mind around the fact that your kid could have had anything to do with this, even if they're a little quirky. Seriously, I would never believe it. It would take your kid's super quirky. (laughs) No, and I love it. I think it's so fascinating and interesting and cute. And I love him more for it. Yeah. By quirky, I mean super dark, you guys. Super dark. <laughs> it's in the best way. Yeah, I fully support it. Yeah. It got so bad, he was admitted to the hospital where doctors learned he'd been poisoned with antimony, which is a chemical element that is found in many household products and can be lethal in large doses. If Fred had received any more doses of this poison, he would have died. Mm. It's unknown if Fred confronted his son about the poisoning. If he did, nothing was done to stop him. Soon after, Graham's aunt, who also knew of his fascination of chemistry and poisons, (laughs) became suspicious of her nephew, as did his science teacher. Good. The teacher decided to search Graham's desk 
and discovered several bottles of poison, along with books on famous poisoners in history. Leave it to the 60s, man. God. <laughs> now kids have, like, clear backpacks and stuff back then. <laughs> totally. Just full poison poison manuals with a corresponding poison. <laughs> right, with his, like, poem about how he poisoned he his... He loves poisoning his family all the time yes. for years. <laughs> right. Boy, oh, boy. So the- I know. The teacher spoke to the school's headmaster about his concerns, and they arranged for Graham to be interviewed by a psychiatrist who posed as a career advisor. All right. After meeting with Graham, the psychiatrist was concerned and contacted the police after the boy revealed his his extensive knowledge of poisons and toxicology. Hmm. Police brought Graham in for questioning, and he was happy to tell them all about his love for chemistry and how he'd been able to make all sorts of toxic chemicals. He then admitted to poisoning Molly, Fred, and his sister, <laughs> and his classmate, Christopher Williams. Just wow. gave it right there to him. He's like, oh, yeah, totally did that. So this, they, they were just specimens, right? They were just like, right, exactly. in his mind, he's mm-hmm. just studying. He's just mm-hmm. interested and he's studying. There's a disconnect yes. there of some kind, a serious disconnect. Yes. On May 23rd, 1962, while Graham was on his way home from school, he was arrested for poisoning his family. He was not charged for Molly's death. Since she'd been cremated, there was no proof she had been killed by Graham. Graham would later explain that Molly had developed a tolerance to the antimony that he'd been giving her, so he switched to thallium the night before her death to speed up the process. He was pleased and pleasantly surprised by how quickly the thallium did its horrible job on Molly's body. Ugh. Graham pleaded guilty to three charges of poisoning. He did not plead guilty to poisoning Molly and was convicted of, quote, malicious administration of a noxious thing to inflict grievous bodily harm. Mm -hmm. During the sentencing hearing, psychiatrist Dr. Christopher Fish testified that Graham had a, quote, psychopathic disorder rather than a mental illness and had failed, quote, to develop a normal moral sense. He felt it was extremely likely that Graham would reoffend, and told the judge about a conversation he had with Graham, who said, quote, I am missing my antimony. I miss the power it gives me. Oh, yeah, yo, yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't give him any access to that at the very right. minimum. <laughs> right. So he recommended Graham be committed to Broadmoor Hospital, and the judge agreed. Mm. He sentenced Graham to be detained under Section 60 of the Mental Health Act, and he was to be sent to Broadmoor Hospital for a minimum of 15 years. Mm-hmm. To be released, Graham would need the approval of the Home Secretary. So at 14, he was the youngest prisoner to be sent to Broadmoor since 1885. Wow. Just a little side note, the very youngest prisoner was 10 when he was put into Broadmoor. And he actually died there shortly before Graham was admitted. He spent Yikes. his whole life there yikes it's a very famous hospital yeah i've definitely yeah. heard of it before yes yep so you might think the story ends there that graham nope. learned his lesson at his time and then went on to be a productive member of society but that's not how this works right nope the truth is he was a very bad seed mm. Mm. <laughs> within a few weeks of his incarceration a fellow inmate john bedridge died from cyanide poisoning you are kidding me nope 
before John? How did he get it? No, they right? smell like, taste like almonds. What's it in? Cherry. Uh, cherry pits. I think you, that's arsenic. Anyway, anyway, I'll tell you where he Okay, I can't wait. Okay. <laughs> so before John's death, Graham had eagerly told hospital staff that he could extract cyanide leaves from the laurel bushes that were everywhere on the hospital ground. <laughs> I just put him right in this little play amusement park. Yes, and poison compound. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. They had no proof that he'd killed John and didn't really believe that he could make his own cyanide, so they ruled that John had died by suicide. Mm. Graham continued his studies on toxicology, but quickly learned to keep his fascination to himself after being told he would be released sooner if he didn't talk about poison anymore. <laughs> this is his doctors were like, stop talking about it. If you want to get out of here, go. you're going to have to ixnay the poison hay, buddy. <laughs> exactly. What the fuck? As the months passed, staff and inmates' drinks were found to have been tampered with, an abrasive sodium compound called, quote, sugar soap which is used for preparing walls for paint, was found inside a tea urn that was being set out for staff and inmates to drink from. (laughs) If it hadn't been caught quickly, it could have caused a mass poisoning. Oh my god. When he wasn't busy trying to hurt people, Graham spent his free time reading The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich and The Scourge of the Swastika. At one point, he grew a toothbrush mustache and took to mimicking the speeches of Hitler. Wow, dude. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He is yep. in a in his class of his own. He is in a class of his own. I've never heard of anyone like him. Yeah, it's really interesting. Super interesting. So Graham first applied for release from Broadmoor in 1965, three years after he was put in prison. Mm-hmm. He applied for release. His father, Fred, and Aunt Winifred attended the tribunal and told the board that if Graham was released, none of his relatives would be willing to house him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Good blame. Sound plan. Yep. Set those boundaries. Yep. Fred also told the panel that his son should, quote, never be released. Graham's application was rejected, but just a few years later, Graham's manipulation of his doctors seemed to work. In June of 1970, hospital staff recommended that he be released because he had been cured. Oh, yeah, good, a great, He's totally fine. Nobody has been poisoned in mass in this hospital in three weeks. Right, done. get yeah, this guy out of here. Talked about poison for like three and a half days, <laughs> so we're good. We did it, you guys. <laughs> they were like, "Please, dude, please. We are sick of you poisoning us. Will you please just stop talking about it, Seriously. so we can release you because." I'm, I cannot get poisoned again. I'm yeah, at my like, limit with getting <laughs> poisoned by you. So after hearing the news, Graham excitedly told a psychiatric nurse that he, uh, after learning the, the news that he'd been cured, right. he excitedly told a psychiatric nurse that he intended to kill one person for every year he'd been in Broadmoor. Uh, what? Yeah. And she was like, yeah, cured. Let's just keep that between you and me. Get out of here. The comment was recorded in his file, but somehow this information didn't seem to make it to the people who decided to release him. One of the prison psychiatrists wrote to the home secretary to recommend his release, saying that Graham, quote, is no longer obsessed with poisons, violence, and mischief. (laughs) And (laughs) And he is no longer a danger to others. 
After only eight years in prison, Graham was released in February of 1971 at only 23 years old. Wow. Yeah, wow. He first moved in with his sister and her husband. It was reported that Winifred was more forgiving of Graham than their father, who initially wanted nothing to do with his son. She was concerned by his fixation with the past and said he took great delight in visiting the scenes of his crimes, thriving on the reaction of his old neighbors when they recognized who he was. Buddy, God. Mm -hmm. Within the first few weeks of being released from the hospital, he managed to acquire two different poisonous chemicals from a chemist in London. Graham started working as an assistant storekeeper at John Hadland Laboratories. (laughs) No background checks in that town. Uh, Nope. The company manufactured thallium bromide infrared lenses, which were used in military equipment. His new co-workers found him unpredictable. Quote, he could be surly and kept to himself, but on other days he was more cheery. Probably the poisoning days. Yeah, that put him in a great old mood. During breaks, he usually sat alone reading. Thallium was not kept at the lab, so Graham had to continue to get his poison from the chemist. I was going to say, he's just got like a fire hose of thallium at his disposal. <laughs> right. Hosing straight into his back of his poison. Backpack. Poison, no, like a tanker. Oh, Picture him just like rolling up those tangers. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I just imagine his disappointment when he gets to the lab and he's like, oh, they yeah. don't have it here. Damn right. It. That's the whole point. Can yeah. I get a transfer, please? Right. So his new employers were aware of his Broadmoor stay. Graham told them that he had suffered a nervous breakdown following the death of his mother in a car accident, but he never mentioned his history as a poisoner. <laughs> I've smart right that's good when i'm giving people career advice <laughs> yes <laughs> ixnay on the oisen pay bud hey right. can you mm-hmm. uh check my resume uh yeah no 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 yeah Don't see this here this thing out. right here at the top about you spent five years in broadmoor for killing half your family of poison yeah it doesn't, you know it doesn't if it comes it. up in the interview you can address <laughs> it but you shouldn't just come out of the gate with that yes So no one was concerned when Graham started making the coffee and tea for the staff every day. Each person had their own mugs they would use, and it was part of Graham's job to bring them their coffee in the morning. When his boss, 59-year-old Bob Eggle, began to experience severe cramps and dizziness, he believed he'd caught a virus known as the, quote, Bovingdon bug, which had recently afflicted a number of school children and had been in the news. Mm. Bob took several days off work and went back after making a full recovery. The day he returned, Graham put a lethal dose of thallium in Bob's afternoon tea, and his condition deteriorated rapidly. He complained of intense back pain and numbness in his fingers and feet. He was rushed to the hospital. By the time he got there, he was paralyzed. Oh, God. Yeah. No. Fucking awful. Awful. Witnesses say Graham showed a strong concern for Bob, repeatedly contacting the hospital for updates on his progress. Poor Bob suffered terribly before he died on July 7th, 1971. His cause of death was recorded as pneumonia. How? How? I know it was a long time ago. I know it was before the internet, but how? And this is the same town, right? He didn't go to a Mm -hmm. new town? Oh, I think it was. It's got to be close. Yeah, close, but not like the exact same town, but close enough. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Wild. 
So after Bob's death, Graham would target different co-workers in the office depending on his mood. In a diary that was later found, Graham wrote that he poisoned one of his co-workers when she annoyed him, writing, quote, Di irritated me yesterday, so I packed her off home with an attack of the sickness. I only gave her something to shake her up. I now regret that I didn't give her a larger dose, capable of laying her up for a few days. Often the beverages he would serve the poison in were too strong or sweet for the victim's liking, which wound up saving many lives. Many of Graham's victims spent days in the hospital with numbness in their extremities, breathing difficulties, and chest pains. One victim said their skin was so tender while in the hospital that even the weight of the bed sheets was excruciating. Oh my god. Many victims lost all of their hair, and many were left completely impotent. Wow. Wow. So Graham's last known victim was 56-year-old Fred Biggs. Graham first poisoned Fred with antimony, causing the Bovington bug symptoms. When Fred returned to work after being out sick on October 30th, Graham gave Biggs three doses of thallium in his tea. Fred quickly began having chest pains and trouble walking. He was admitted to three different hospitals where doctors could not find the cause of his symptoms. Fred's central nervous system deteriorated so badly that he could not speak and had trouble breathing. His skin also began to peel off. No, 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 no. Sorry, no. Bud, yeah. Awful. Awful. While he was in the hospital, Graham showed concern for Fred's condition, constantly calling Fred's wife and the hospital directly to ask how he was doing. After suffering, like, beyond suffering, for nearly three weeks. Jesus. Fred Biggs died on November 19th, 1971. Unbelievable. No. I I just can't get over the fact that this kid was let out and then nobody was keeping an eye on him. Seriously. No, like, follow-ups. Hey, where'd you get a job, buddy? Oh, (laughs) chemical factory. Yeah. What do you do for them? Make them their tea. No. No, it's awful. After Fred's death and as more of their employees were out sick, the management at Hadlin Laboratories became terribly concerned that something at the lab was causing the illness. I mean, right, I would say the first, like, two people that got sick, right? Then you're like, okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. something is happening here. We need to take care of our lab that does lab stuff, right? Yep. <laughs> I mean, I'm no lab manager, but... <laughs> <laughs> You are the one who hired him, despite the fact that he had <laughs> poisoner with of chemicals on there with chemicals. <laughs> yeah. Well, he really poisoner, likes comma chemicals, right? Yeah. <laughs> so various sources were considered, including water contamination, radioactive fallout, and possible chemical leakage at the lab. But no evidence of anything was uncovered that would lead to what was making everyone so sick. While the investigation was ongoing, some of Graham's co-workers were becoming suspicious of him. He was the only one of the workers who never became sick. Yep. One coworker went to her employer and suggested maybe Graham was the carrier of the virus, sort of like typhoid Mary had been. Mm-hmm. And another coworker told management about Graham's unhealthy interest in poison. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's not funny. It's not, but it's But it's just, like, come on. It's he has so an outrageous. unhealthy interest in poison. So much so that people notice it and have to take it to upper management. 
so absurd. Yeah. When the firm's medical officer told staff that he had ruled out heavy metal poisoning as a possible cause, Graham began to argue heatedly with him. Graham insisted that the symptoms displayed by victims pointed to heavy metal poisoning. Mm-hmm. Graham's behavior puzzled the doctor, so he questioned Graham more about his knowledge after the meeting ended. Graham was happy to share his extensive knowledge of poisons and toxicology with the doctor, who then took this information to John Hadland, who owned the lab. Good. Hadland then called police. Good. Let's wrap yes. this guy out of that. Uh, seriously. The investigating officers noticed that the onset of the Bovington bug coincided with Graham's arrival at the company, and a background check revealed Graham's previous convictions. Oh, how long, how, do you know how long he worked there? <laughs> I don't know how long. Let me see. I'd I be very it curious. Out, yeah. You know, was I, it like I'm, I'm, three weeks? Was it two years? <laughs> like, What's the timeline yeah, here? Yeah, let me see if I can... Must have been you know a, a while. Oh well, so he was um, he was convicted of all of this in seventy two, so it wasn't very long. Mm-hmm. It was like a year, man, between getting out and poisoning all of these people and then getting rearrested. Wild. Yep. So Graham was brought in for questioning and denied any wrongdoing. As he was busy at the station, officers were searching his bedsit. There they found a large stash of bottles containing five different poisons, including <laughs> including 434 milligrams of thallium and 32.33 grams of antimony, which is Guys, more than 200 times the lethal, lethal dose. Keep your poison in a, a remote location. Put it someplace else. <laughs> Put it in a box in the yard at the very least. Seriously. Or don't. I mean, please don't. Please leave no. it right under your bed, right? Yes. And right where the police can find it. Right. What? WTF. That is so clearly his brain, right? His mm-hmm. That crazy disconnect in his mind where either he doesn't know, he doesn't care, a combination of both. Like, this is just what he does and he's just going to keep doing it and talking right. about it and, and admitting to it and not trying to cover it up really at all right and he's 23 and he got to have fun poisoning people went to the hospital where he could poison people Mm -hmm. got released where he could poison more people it's Mm -hmm. like he just doesn't he's like whatever i'm just gonna keep poisoning people yeah it's just the only thing i want to do and i can do it wherever i go and so i'm just gonna get the stockpile of poison and do my damnedest until i get caught and then i'm gonna go to prison and keep keep going you know so figure out how to do it in there too wow yeah if you love what you do, you can never work a day in your life. Is that what they say? God. God. So oh. true. Ugh. They also found his room covered in swastikas and pictures Oof. of Hitler. Authorities hit the evidence jackpot when they found a detailed diary that Graham kept, noting the doses of poison he had administered, their effects, and whether he was going to allow his victims to live or die. Oh, fuck this guy. Yeah. So when officers told Graham what they had found, he happily answered their questions and even helped them decipher parts of his journal that were hard to understand. He admitted to poisoning five of his co-workers and said he used different poisons to throw off the doctors. Hmm. He also bragged about committing the, quote, perfect murder by killing his stepmother, Molly. 
and spent 20 minutes explaining the, the effects that thallium has on the human body. Mm-hmm. Graham also told police he poisoned a man who was staying at the same hostel as Graham was after he was released from Broadmoor. The two had been drinking buddies. Graham even considered him a friend. He didn't kill him, but the man became terribly ill and was said to have suffered permanent physical damage from the poison. It's also believed that another man he befriended experienced such agony from being poisoned that he took his own life. Oof. Although no connection to Graham was established at the time. Fuck this guy. When asked why he had poisoned people who were friends and colleagues, Graham responded, quote, I suppose I had ceased to see them as people. At least a part of me had. They were simply guinea pigs. Yep. That sums it right up. Yep, sure does. So Graham was charged with two counts of murder, two counts of attempted murder, four counts of administering poison with the intent to injure, and four alternative counts of administering poison with the intent to cause grievous bodily harm. He pleaded not guilty and had a difficult time finding a barrister willing to represent him. (laughs) Who can blame them? (laughs) Leading up to his trial, Graham retracted his confession and it was ruled the jury could not know of Graham's previous convictions. Oh, come on. God, how, how, how did they get away with that? That's just absolutely mind boggling. This whole thing. Yes, it really is. The evidence against him was damning, including autopsy reports that found large amounts of thallium in Fred Biggs' eternal organs, and they even found thallium in the cremated remains of Bob Eggle. On June 29, 1972, the jury spent one hour and 38 minutes deliberating before finding him guilty on almost all counts. Yeah, big surprise. They're like, guys, if we just wrap this up, we can get happy hour. This guy <laughs> clearly did it. Fuck this guy. Yes. <laughs> So after being found guilty, Graham requested to go to a conventional prison rather than return to Broadmoor. He was then sentenced to life in prison, and his request was granted. Uh-huh. His stay at the conventional prison was short-lived before he was moved to Ashworth Hospital. Because the guy is, probably needs to be in a hospital. Yeah, he's very nutsy. Yeah. There, he had to be moved frequently to different rooms because he was constantly finding ways to make poisons from various household products. Unbelievable. Yes. Graham also managed to befriend Moore's murderer, Ian Brady. Uh-uh, no. Yes. Oh, match me in hell. Hell. You. Yes. No. It, it's, it's Ian, right? Not Ian. Fuck that guy. Brady. I don't care. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I-A-N. <laughs> I am a bad guy. Ion. I exactly. <laughs> I am a bad guy. <laughs> they shared a cell and also their love of Nazis. <sighs> yep. Graham Young would spend the rest of his life in prison before dying alone in his cell on the evening of August 1st, 1990, one month before his 43rd birthday. Wow. His cause of death was listed as myocardial infraction, but because he had never suffered from heart disease, people speculated he either died from suicide or was murdered by other inmates or prison staff who did not feel safe having him around. Yep. Graham's case spurred changes in the British judicial system, including more safeguards being introduced during the parole process of mentally ill offenders. Quote, no patient at a special hospital was to be discharged without two concurring recommendations from psychiatrists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of rolling my eyes. 
Uh, and the mm-hmm. supervision of a released patient was also improved. <laughs> so, they also announced an inquiry to review the management of mentally ill offenders and criminal justice system, which led to the committee's recommendations in 1975, um, which resulted in the expansion in forensic mental health services with the development of regional, which is now referred to as medium secure units and most of the health regions in England and Wales. Mm-hmm. So they they upped their resources mm-hmm. and hospitals for mental People health. Yes. Good. Great. Yes. Um, so prior to that, there had only been the high security hospitals of Broadmoor, Rampton, and Ashworth. Mm-hmm. So Graham left a chilling legacy after a movie was made in 1995 based loosely on Graham's life titled The Young Poisoner's Handbook. Uh, In November 2005, a 16-year-old Japanese schoolgirl was arrested for poisoning her mother with thallium. Mm -mm. She claimed to be fascinated by Graham, having seen the 1995 film, and kept an online blog similar to Graham's diary recording dosages and reactions. Nope. Eye roll. No. Don't Mm -hmm. do it. Not cool. Not sexy. Don't do it. Nope. So during his trial, Graham expressed his hope that his waxwork would appear in Madame Tussauds Chamber of Horrors. He later got his wish, and his likeness appeared in the exhibit near that of his boyhood hero, Dr. Grippen. No! No! There you go, guys. Oh, man. How many people did he kill total? He killed four. Wow. Three. Ugh, and then tortured. Yeah, I mean, countless others. So his two coworkers and Molly, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter. That's plenty. Yeah, and then tens, hundreds of other people. Right. Got... I think he. Mo- I mean, not mostly because that's two, three is too many. But um, he mostly just maimed them, made them terribly ill. Yeah, or impotent, or mm-hmm. God knows, God knows what sort of horrible things are still affecting those people to this day. Right. Wow. Wow. What do you guys think? What do you think is going on in that one? Yeah. I don't know. We had somebody write to us about my love of saying the words sociopath and narcissist and sent some super interesting articles about how, like, we just don't really know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the, the, I read, you know, the articles they sent and read a book that they sent and I think the bottom line is that as hard as we try to figure each other out you can't do it right like there are so many factors it's so nuanced and when one person presents like this another person presents like this and you know this person that wrote to us said you know they're autistic and they get misdiagnosed or or called a psychopath because you know they have a flat affect or whatever the Mm -hmm. reason may be so i need to stop doing like just trying to figure out but i just want to know like what is that what is going on with him you know to to lack so much empathy that people just become specimen like they just he's just doing experiments on everybody yeah it doesn't matter who you are family friends co-workers you're, those are even better. You're even more fair game mm-hmm. because he can keep an eye on you. Ugh. Yeah. As soon as he realized he couldn't watch every minute of the process, he was like, okay, people that are closest to me. Unreal. Uh, well, yeah. 
very sorry for his victims and no. very sorry for the people who have had to live with the consequences. Ugh, that sucks. No bueno. Nope. Well, I don't Where know how you transition from, from mass poisoning guy to names, but I'm going to do it anyway. Let's do it. All right. I was going to make a song, but I already have a song. Here's the song. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's name time. Who do we have? Who do we have this week? Cuties. We got a pile. Oh, before we start, I do need to I never how, express a express a fix. <laughs> what do they call it? I need to <laughs> a give correction. a retraction. Correction. Thank you. Um my f- big fat fat fingers hit a two instead of a one in the last episode. Millie Dowler, one of Levi Belfield's victims, was 13 years old, not 23 years old. That is a oh, that's a big difference. I mean, not massive that matters, distinction. But, no, yeah. it's it's awful. But she was a little tiny child, and Yo-yo-yo-yo. that sucks. Um, also, doctors can tell on their patients if there's suspicion of harm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be murder, mm-hmm. just just basic harm, which is probably good. Yeah. You know, under the right circumstance, I guess. But, yeah, I'm still a real fuzzy-wuzzy about that last case. But I'm yeah. very glad to know. And I'm so glad that fucking so many doctors listen to this podcast. That's that will write intimidating. in. <laughs> <laughs> Experts listening. Yeah. Like, oh, God, these guys. <laughs> oh, here we go again. Courtney's on a rant that's, that's completely right. false. No, thank it's you. Not guys for... antimony. It's antimony. Antimony. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just said it the same way twice because it's the only way I can say it. <laughs> Listen, we're doing the best we can, and so are you, and you're doing great. And yes. this week you sent me Detective Joel Loudermilk. <laughs> I'm sorry. How much louder can milk get? I don't know. Ask Detective Joel. Loudermilk. He's on the case. <laughs> How about Dr. Trudy Hecker? <laughs> Trudy spelled yes. T-R-U-D-E, too. So she's... Oh. Yeah. Hecker. Uh, there's a Uranus fudge factory in Indiana, <laughs> apparently. Of course there is. Of course there is. We're jealous of the cheese castle up north, and so we had to make an Uranus <laughs> fudge factory. There's the People's Meat Market. Yes. Soylent green. (laughs) Uh, Somebody goes to this little beautiful Bavarian village regularly, and there's (laughs) Cafe Mucky Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Muke Fuck is how you pronounce it, but it's definitely spelled Uh, Mucky Fuck. Mm -hmm. Um, There's an Adam Apple. (laughs) (laughs) Cute. Uh, there's the Beaver of Wisconsin pressure washer. <laughs> the Beaver uh, of... Beaver, Beaver pressure washer. Okay. Okay, ready for this. Oh, I'm going to oh. save these two for the end because these are top shelf. Um, Kimberly Wiener Johnson. <laughs> That's pretty top it's shelf. pretty good. Oh, this one. I don't remember where I saw this, but there was somebody named Alex Cooper, which... <laughs> I love when things, when names are just slightly different. Yes. Not, no, no, not Alice Cooper. 
Alex. <laughs> Alex Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Peter Holder. <laughs> okay. <laughs> These are all top shelf. A Harry Nutter. <laughs> a Phil McCracken, which, yes. oh, come on. If you had the last name McCracken, get out of here. All of it, yeah. <laughs> Carol Hovis. <laughs> Why is it so good? Why? <laughs> a Candace Landis. <laughs> That's one of my all-time favorites we've ever gotten. Candace and Landis. <laughs> Candace Landis, and not last but not least, Vanessa Bong Bong. <laughs> I told you. Uh-oh, you I, told you. I told you. I told you. Vanessa Bong Bong? Yes, confirmed. <laughs> it's a coworker of one of our listeners, oh Candace Bong Bong. Cand- or, sorry, Vanessa Bong Bong. <laughs> Vanessa Bong Bong, if you were listening, I I don't even know what to do with myself. I'm beside myself with your name. Don't we have a listener whose boyfriend or husband or partner, some sort, has all of these coworkers with these amazing names? Is that where a lot of these are coming from? Oh, yes, and a lot of you keep like a record of medical intake for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And speaking of which, Nina D, one of our Patreon supporters, hello Nina, is transcribing, has volunteered to transcribe all of the names from all of our episodes so we can put a page on our website that is all of our names from all of our episodes. And and once that's done, we're going to make names merch yes. for our Patreon supporters. Yes, we are. So get ready for that. And I have reached out to the queen, the OG, Cindy Pancake. I have not heard back yet. She hasn't looked at it. I I can see that she can't, that she's not looked at my Facebook message Mm -hmm. yet. I sent her a very rambling and very kind message about how (laughs) she brings joy to people all over the world. And can we please use her name and probably her likeness for some more. So we'll see. She seems very nice. She's a teacher. We'll see. I don't know how I would feel. I mean, I would be, I'm a Leo. I'd be like, hell yeah. Would you like me to make a gif of myself too? You know, but <laughs> Cindy Pancake might prefer her privacy. We'll see. Uh, but thank you. forensic files. She, she has no more privacy. <laughs> I, that's kind of what I figured. I mean, she was on yeah. there already. They're, they've memed her a few times, but um, I'll let, we'll keep you posted. Thank you, Nina, for doing that. And once we do it and the names merch, we'll do a contest to see what are your favorite names. And yes. then we can narrow it down and do like two or three lines of names merch. Yes. I was in the car today driving around like you do in cars. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me everything. You're talking about. about a podcast host. And I what I heard was Harry Dick. And I was like, yes. <laughs> Harry Dick, but it was Gary Dick. Oh, just miss, which I thought was pretty funny. It's pretty fun. like Alex Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Gary Gary Dick. He's the host of like Indiana. Something now like NPR. Everything in Indiana is called Indiana now, right? Yeah, it's like, like e- e- some economic podcast. Yeah, anyway, definitely Indiana now. Yeah, oh, Mark Bali was. Yeah, the sports mm-hmm. podcast would be called Indiana now. Yeah, the, it's just like Money a win, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. weather, Indiana now. The, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. If I you're do. from Indiana and you're listening to this, you know what I'm talking about. Everything is... here is called Indiana now. We should change the name of our podcast. No. Indiana now. To Indiana now. It dies. Everybody yeah. dies. Yeah. And to clarify, everything in Indiana is not called Indiana now, but it's sort of generic enough that it's all called Indiana now. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Like your anyway. doctor's office, everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Should we do some shouty outies? Hell yeah, hell yeah. I'm in the mood for it. We got a shit ton. <laughs> seven. Let's do seven. Let's do seven. All right. Thank you so much to everyone. First of all, all of you. Oh, you my God. support us on Patreon. You're making our dreams come true. One, three dollars, five, ten, twenty dollars at a time. Yes. And real Thank quick you. before we do that, I do want to say our YouTube is up. You guys are amazing for supporting our YouTube. We do have to edit the swears because mm-hmm. YouTube, we said, yay, we got approved. We got a thousand followers applied for monetization. And then <laughs> in true X sister fashion, went back and looked at the like guidance Community rules or whatever. Yes. Or whatever. Thank you. Yeah. And was like, oh, everything, here are the things you cannot do or say on YouTube literally everything that we do and say mm-hmm. is illegal on youtube so yeah. um don't go over there if you love fucks and shits and dicks because they <laughs> will, are not available over did you there see, did you see the comment on instagram from one of our listeners <laughs> who suggested we do an after hours patreon tier of just swears <laughs> we just swear at each other you see that? <laughs> it's no that's brilliant i saw another comment where somebody yeah. said they're gonna watch the feed while they listen to the podcast so they get the fucks <laughs> with our faces just brilliant I mean, so smart yes yeah so we might not have to do it forever we're just figuring it out so in the meantime just to be safe we're doing a ton of work on these videos so we're just gonna mm-hmm. go ahead and bleep it um, and also we cut off the banter at the end because that's just, you know, and then we can say fuck shit, damn dick, dick, dick as much as we want. <laughs> it feels so good. It feels so <sighs> good. Um, so yeah, but please go over there, sign up. Thank you to everyone who has, or subscribe everyone who has, and thank you everyone who is fire hosing their support into our Patreon. Yes. Yes. Especially, I mean, not especially also. <laughs> <laughs> this is your this is your minute to shine shannon r thank you so much to shannon r thank you so much shannon r shannon razor sharp razor sharp here she comes and she's fighting some crime and she's also going to the dressmaker shop and what's she buying at the dressmaker shop an outfit for fighting some crime it's gotta be loose (laughs) she's gotta be able to move and spin and roundhouse kick and roundhouse kick she's a master at roundhouse kicks thank you so much to satan's mom oh I just had to read it again to make sure it didn't say Santa's mom, but it is Satan. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, Satan's mom. Uh, You and Marg are welcome to be our co-hosts because you've done my job for me, Satan's mom. You have done my job for me. Come on over. You, me, Marg, and Sadie. Four-way co-hosty. Let's get this done because... I saw that come through and laughed my damn ass off. You did baby genius, you little did. sweetie pie. One of us. Yes, you belong here. How is it raising Satan? How is it raising Satan? It's probably exhausting or fun. I know. Now, like, now that I bring it up, I don't. I can't decide. Mm-mm. I guess it would depend on the age of Satan. Like, maybe baby <laughs> Satan would be great, you know? No, baby Satan, Satan would be terrible. Is adult Satan kind of cool, sort of like being the mom of like 
Pablo Escobar where they yeah. get a really nice house and stuff. <laughs> and nobody's <laughs> like, going to ever mess with you. Like they yeah. will not fuck with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So maybe it's cool to be Satan's mom. Let us know. Let us know, yeah. bud. Thank you so much to Jackie V. Jackie, very, very, very on it. Jackie Violence. Nope. She says, I'm not Jackie Violence. I'm Jackie Valentine's Day because I'm a lover in every way. <laughs> and I am very also. I'm out of few words. <laughs> Vesticular. <Velociraptor>. <laughs> I am a vesticular surgeon. It's not a thing, doctors that are listening. Is it a vesticular surgeon? I think. Yes. I am that. So don't even worry about it. I've got your vesticules in my hands, and I'm gonna do it right. Your vesticules. Velociraptor. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much to Rachel <laughs> P. Rachel. Nope, I'm just singing Lady Gaga songs. Rachel, parentheses, in parentheses, she says, here's what I want you to know about me. And you say, what? I, what parenthetical information are you presenting me with? And she says, it's just something about me that I want you to know. I want you to know. And you lean in until you can see between the parentheses. And it says, Fuck yeah! <laughs> parenthetical fuck yeah. Rachel, parenthetical uh, fuck yeah. And last but certainly not least, I'm doing nope. a full name here. Thank you so much to Brianna Gore. <laughs> yes. yes. Jealous. Because two reasons. I just started mm -hmm. a horror podcast. This is not going to be a plug for that, but Brianna Gore. Also, Leslie Gore, right? Is that the famous Gore? Anyway, I feel like... Or if you're Al less... Gore. <laughs> no, let's go further back. Let's take it back. Al just invented the internet. <laughs> but I do feel like if you have the last name Gore... Uh, you are like a lounge singer or you are, um, like a, a author, controversial author, mm -hmm. uh, or you invent the internet, mm -hmm. you know, or, mm -hmm. uh, probably get made fun of a lot as a kid, but then you grow up and you use it to your advantage. Seriously. Like all the best of us do. Yes. Right. 100%. That's a fucking great name. That is a excellent name. Yes. Not like Courtney Egg. Although I do. We do like her last name. Shit, yeah, we do. Bite-sized. Snackable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, you guys. Seriously, sincerely, sincerely, we cannot thank you enough. Oh, here's the other thing I thought of about Patreon supporters. Since you are supporting us, we want to support you. Oh, yeah. So while we are not going to have ads in our episodes, if we can help it, we would love to plug... Small businesses, charities, whatever, you know, not necessarily like your local PTA event or something, but if you run a small business, if you have something that you would like for us to plug on our episodes and you are our Patreon supporter, send us a message and we will do one per mm -hmm. episode. Yeah, we can share it in our social meds, Yep, on our podcast, in our YouTube. We can do like cards, I guess. That's something you can do now. 
where you point and you say, I'm going to link to it right here. And then you point, bloop, and then click. See, Sadie's a real YouTube <laughs> Razorback. I have spent like 12 or 13 minutes Sadie. watching YouTube videos on how to create YouTube videos. Well, you should make YouTube videos about how to create YouTube videos as a result. Yeah, just like this. You can't see me anymore because we cut this out of the YouTube video. But right here, <laughs> she's, pointing. Pointing, she's pointing to where a box would be. <laughs> Not just any box. A Patreon supporters mm-hmm. link to their social meds to promote their stuff that they do. So, their items. <laughs> items of the week, we'll call it. That's right. Um, Anything else? Yes. Mm, no, you guys... I don't know. Thanks for ruling and thanks for supporting us. <laughs> I thought you were going to say thanks for ruining my life. <laughs> thanks for ruining my life. Now I have to do things. I have to <laughs> edit videos. I have to review videos. I, I have to, to live my best life. On your beautiful comments that you leave me. <laughs> oh, I have a horror podcast. Yes, there is one more thing. Please leave yes. podcast. I'm writing horror stories. I'm putting them on the internet. If you love horror. I really, sincerely, honestly think you will love this podcast because yeah, if I found this podcast, pants. I would piss myself with happiness because mm-hmm. I think this shit's actually scary. So please leave pod. Please leave podcast. Yep. Let's just pretend like Courtney's it. not listening right now and pretend like it's just you and me. So, you know, I'm being honest. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. It's amazing. I get chills. I get scared. I want to cry. I want to run away. I want to know how it ends. You never get to know how it ends. It's so fucking good. Okay, Courtney. Check it out. Baby's hair, I'm back. Check it out. (laughs) Uh, In the meantime, you can go to our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube at They Will Kill. Go to our website, theywillkill.com, and you can email us at theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com. Rate, review, subscribe, please. Yes, please. We haven't gotten one of those in a while. You guys have been focusing on the YouTube, focusing on the Patreon, which is a great place to focus. We're asking a lot of you. (laughs) You, we are. Chores, going, tabs, (laughs) open. It's a lot. As somebody who's recently figured out I have ADHD, it's a lot. (laughs) But thank you. And if you have it in you, go leave a subscription. I mean, a review. Please. (laughs) Thank you, AJ Bergans, for your music. Thank you so much. Also, one more thing we have to say now, this is a Two Penguins Media production, because oh, my yeah. company is going to be the supporting parent company of this, and my one other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and the other podcasts we're bringing into the fold. Yes, exactly. Uh, and remember... <sighs> Take it from us. If you want to do something, just put one little baby foot right in front of the other one and just start doing it. Just pick the thing that sounds like fun to do it and do that thing first. The yep. first thing we did after Sadie said we should do this is I made a logo on a fucking logo generator on the computer that mm-hmm. is usually made like basic bitch coffee shops use this logo generator. <laughs> Used it to make a True Prime podcast logo. And we yep. were like, oh, hell yeah. Yep. And then you just keep doing it and you just do one more thing and then another thing. And the next thing you know, two years later, you've got 500,000 downloads, 300 mm-hmm. Patreon supporters, and mm-hmm. you can't believe how lucky you are. So, yep. You can make it happen. You really can. And we can help you if you need it. And we love you. Yes, we do. See you next time. See you later, you Goodbye. little sweet babies. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.